Who is it that we're singing songs about again? Can, can someone remind me? <clears throat> it, it, you know, it's interesting. Uh, if you look in the Bible... And you look through the different accounts of people as they encounter God, you, you sort of see a pattern. Now, if it's like one person sees God, they respond in a different way, and there's all these different cases and different responses, and this person was really uh, responded in a weird way when they saw God, then you wouldn't say you have a pattern, you would say you have a special case. But if there's a bunch of people who see God and they respond very similarly, then what you have is a pattern. And, and when you see this pattern in Scripture, it makes you feel like, okay, maybe that is how we should be responding when we behold God, when we see, see God. Now, if I were to try to articulate this pattern, I would try to articulate threefold. Like, when you look in the Scripture and people see God, you, okay, you, you don't really see God, but you, you behold a manifestation of God, if you will. Now, when people have this encounter with God, the first thing they do, and this is, this is part of the pattern, is they are terrified. They are terrified. They are blown away. And at the same time, they're also mesmerized by what they see. So, number one, they're blown away and terrified. Number one. Second thing, this is not for everyone, but you can, you can notice a pattern in, in, in a good number of responses. When they see God, it's like, it's the first time that they actually see themselves. It's like, now I see myself in light of who I see God to be. You wouldn't expect that, right? But it's like, hold it, I, I suddenly have clarity about myself. And then the third thing that happens is these people are not ever normal again. Their, their, their lives have a certain energy, dynamicism, brilliance about it because they're captured by this vision of God. Now, I, I'm noticing this pattern in the scripture and I'm thinking, that is exactly what I want for our church. Like every single person in our church to live these amazing lives. And as I look in the scripture, it's connected by how they see God, by how they encounter God. So what we're going to do is we're going to open our Bibles and I take you guys through Isaiah 6. And Isaiah is describing his experience of encountering God. And I think there's so much that we can learn from Isaiah. So would you turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 6. Now, I, I want to do a little something different today. Now, you've noticed that with this series, I've, I've picked a, a spiritual discipline. I don't do this with every series. But I just thought with this series, I want to pick the discipline of meditation. And um, after we explain the scripture, I, I want to take you through um, something and then I want you to do me a favor, but I'll, I'll ask you about that favor and I'll tell you about what we're going to do after I explain the scripture to you. Okay? Open your Bibles to Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord... Sitting upon a throne. Uh, I'm going to walk you through the movements of this vision, okay? The first thing I want you to notice is throne. Can you guys repeat the word throne? I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. It was high and lifted up. And the train of his robe. That's the second thing I want you guys to, 
to um, pay attention to. Can you guys say robe? Okay. First I saw a throne and then I saw a robe. And his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. That's the third thing I want you to pay attention to. Can you guys say seraphim with me? Seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. And with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the seraphim. The seraphim is a kind of angel. We don't know much about the angels, but we know that there's different classes and there's different, and the different classes serve different purposes. The seraphim seems to be an angel that, uh, I guess, as, as Ernie was saying, his job description, part of it is to be in the throne room and to be in the very presence of God. Okay, so if you have an angel who seems to... Uh, spend a regular amount of time in the very presence of God, you're thinking this is a very high-ranking angel. Okay? Now, what we know, also know about this angel is that seraphim is the Hebrew word for fiery one. So I always imagine if you were to, to look at one of these, it's, he's, he's fiery. Like, um, like you, you start a flame, a flame will dance. It changes. It's dynamic. It's brilliant. Right? Um, and also this angel, this seraphim, has six wings. Now, with two of those wings, he's flying. Okay, normally when we understand wings, that seems to be in the normal purpose of wings. Uh, A blue jay has wings and it flies with those wings. What does a penguin do with wings? It swims, right? So, the two of these wings, probably the middle wings that he's flying, that's not a big surprise to us. We're kind of used to that in the, the natural order, the natural creation of things. But the other two wings are kind of curious, and I just want to talk about the wings that I think are on top. Now, apparently, this angel has a pair of wings, and the purpose of those wings is to cover the angel's eyes. And you kind of ask the question, why did God design an angel with a pair of wings that aren't used for flying, but they're used for something else, like covering eyes? Now, uh, these wings actually are kind of like sunglasses. Now, why do you wear sunglasses? For protection, right? You're protecting your eyes from the sun. If you look straight into the sun... Uh, the, the ultraviolet rays, it's so radiant, it'll burn your retinas, it'll cook your eyes. So you basically, you wear sunglasses to kind of shield and protect your eyes. Now I want you to think about that. This angel has built-in sunglasses, built-in wings, because why? Because it's looking at God. And God's like, if you look at me straight on, it's going to be too much radiance and beauty for you to take. So I'm building these wings that are going to serve as sunglasses that kind of give you a little bit of protection. And I just want you to think of that. It's built-in protection for the sheer, beautiful, radiant, purifying sight of God. Verse 3, And then one seraphim calling to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy. In the Bible, when you want to emphasize something, how do you emphasize something? I want you to think about this. Like for you guys, if you're writing an email, if you're writing a letter, and you want to emphasize something, what do you do? You underline it. You bold it. You put an exclamation mark, right? What I do is I put it all in caps. Amazing, and it's all in caps. 
Now, in the Bible, in, in, in the, the, the Hebrew language and the Greek language, when they wanted to emphasize something, what did they do? They repeated it. You would repeat it. Like I'm repeating it now. Right? So imagine this. We're like, okay, how holy is God? Because if, if, he's, if, he's if he's holy, then we're going to just sing some songs to him. But if he's holy, holy, then maybe I should be getting kind of crazy about him. And just imagine the angel saying, no, 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 you don't understand. God is holy, holy, holy. Like whatever view you have of this God, it is way too small. Holy, holy. Now, let's talk about this word holy. The, the word holy, well, what, is, what does holy mean? It's not a word we necessarily use that often. Holy means different, distinct, unique. When you say something is holy, when the angel says something is holy, it's like saying, I have never seen anything like that before. I've never seen anything so terrifyingly beautiful. And that, that, that's what he means when he says holy. Uh, it means spiritually pure, sacred, untainted by evil, sinless. It is that which divides God from everyone and everything else. It is the quality of awesome mystery. I have never seen anything so amazing. I, I want you to imagine what it would be like. Uh, let, let, let's do like a little playback in time. Let's say... Let's say, you know, Ernie and Nancy were, were leading worship this morning. And uh, what, was the, what was the last song that we sang? Can you uh, refresh my memory? God of Wonders, okay? So it's a, the last song they're singing, God of Wonders. And just imagine God like, I'm going to surprise the folks at Christian Layman Church. I'm just going to give them something they've never seen before. I'm going to let them see one of the seraphim. Just the ser I'm not going to let them see me or my throne. Just the seraphim. I just want them to see the... Now, I want you to imagine we're all here. We're singing God of Wonders. And God's like, I'm just going to let you get a peek of one of my seraphim. Can you imagine what that would be like in the middle of the worship service? And, you know, we're worship God of... And then you look up <laughs> and there is this... Well, the fiery one, right? So it's, it's sparkling, it's dazzling. You look up and there is this floating creature. Now in Revelation, it says it has eyes all over its body. All over it. Look up and it just, you just see. How would you respond? I think half of you, like, both the angel, like, run. You know, you guys would be terrified, right? Like, I, would, might, I might wet myself, honestly. Okay, that's not appropriate to say at church. But, you, you know, you're going to have some sort of response. You know, half of you will be running away. Other, ah! You know, you'll be terrified. Now, I want you to put this into perspective. This angel says to you, What are you doing looking at me? Okay, imagine this angel. Do you, he's like, Do you know who I am? Angel's like, I'm your worship leader. Right? Isn't that the role of this angel? And he says, don't look at me. Look at what I'm looking at. Holy, holy. this is a holy, perfect being. And, he's, and he is saying, I have never, never seen anything so beautiful as that. 
terrifying. I have to shield my eyes from it, but everything inside me just wants to keep on looking because it's so, he is so amazingly beautiful, ravishingly, terrifyingly beautiful. Oh man! Isn't that what he's saying? Holy, holy, holy. don't look at me. Look at this God. Verse 4. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know, it's interesting. Isaiah sees God, and then one of the first things he realizes is he sees himself. It's like, I've seen God for the first time, and then I've actually seen myself for the first time. And what he realized about himself, and I'm paraphrasing here, but what he realized about himself is, I mean, he's looking at God, and he's, he's like, I am a small and dirty little thing. <laughs> that, that's my own paraphrase. A small and dirty little thing. I have a confession to make. The confession is that in the first 23 years, no, 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 but maybe more like 15 years, as a Christian, I never really saw myself as a small and dirty little thing. Quite honestly, when I came to, to, to faith in God, I fell in love with, with God as my loving father. And that's what really drew me in. I'm like, I want that. But it, there was no brokenness. There was no sense of being messed up inside. There was, there was no regret or remorse of my own sinfulness. It just wasn't there. I thought, you know, I was a 4.0 student. I'm, I'm like, I'm a good boy. I'm a good kid. I try to do the right things. There was really no concept of sin. Now, I can say this. Fast forward 23 years later. I, I, honest confession I know I am a dirty little thing. I just, I just know because I've, I've been with myself for, for, for 37 years. And Isaiah has this realization. He realizes how much garbage is coming out of his mouth. And I live among people, like I live among a garbage village. There's so much garbage that, 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 that's in our hearts that's coming out of our mouth. I'm just a small, dirty little thing. Now, I've come to realize that about myself. I've come to realize the truth. And it, it's not like God was saying this to Isaiah. I just want to point that out. It's not like God was saying, Isaiah, you're a dirty little thing. Isaiah, you have garbage coming out of your mouth. Isaiah realized it because it was true. And the same way with myself. I, I, I understand. I have a conviction of that. Not because God necessarily made me feel bad by saying that. But just because I realized the truth. So I can say with all honesty, I, Andrew Huang, am a dirty little thing. <laughs> and there's a certain freedom that I have in confessing that. I confess that I'm morally broken, that I need help, that I am messed up inside, and that I do stupid things. It's not just that I do stupid things, it's just that I have stupid things emanating from my heart. We need a savior. I need a savior. We need Jesus. I need Jesus. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. 
And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. In ancient times, when a person had a wound, and that wound is compromised, it's dirty, needs to be cleansed, it's infected, has bacteria, there's pus, needs to be cleansed. You can do a couple different things. All of them are immensely painful. Like one thing you can do is you can pour alcohol in it. And it's really going to sting, it's really going to burn, but it cleanses the wound. Another thing you can do is you can take a coal... And you can press it right into the fleshy part of the wound. And what it does is it cauterizes the wound. It cle- you guys see that in war movies when they do that? They take that, that, the, you know, the, 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 the poker and they stab it in right, right, right in the wound. And it cleans it out. It burns off the icky stuff, the bacteria, the dirt. Painful as heck. But your wound is, is, is cleansed. And the point is, Isaiah is not able to clean himself up. Isaiah is not able to find forgiveness by himself. He cannot do it. He needs help from the outside. He needs God to do something. He needs God to make a provision. And if that's the case for Isaiah, it's also true for every person in this room. God has to make a way. And the good news is that God has made a way. It was very, very painful, not for him, not for us, but for him. God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, and in the most tender nerve endings of the body, the hands and the feet, instead of plunging a coal in that wound, nails were plunged in the hands and feet of Christ. And the Son of God died on a cross to purify us and to cleanse us. And so provision was needed. We needed to be cleansed by God himself. God came to forgive, to cleanse us, and to say to us, because of what my Son has done for you, the nails that touched his hands and his feet, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. I I loved how Wilma shared. And um, and Terry was like, Well, why are you a missionary in Cambodia? Remember what she said? The first thing that came out of your mouth? Because God sent us. And I love the simplicity of that response. Why are you doing what you're doing right now? What would it look like for you in your life just to say, I am doing what I'm doing now. Maybe I'm a housewife, maybe I'm an engineer, maybe I'm a college student, but I am doing what I'm doing now because God sent me. Wouldn't that be awesome to live a life where every day you say to God, Here I am, send me. I am completely available to you. It's like uh, writing a blank check. You write your name and you give it to God and say, God, you fill out everything else. Or it's like, uh, it's like playing Texas Hold'em. It's like playing poker. And you are so confident in your hand that you take all your stack of chips and you go, I am all in. That, that, isn't that what Isaiah is doing? Here I am. Here's my life. I am all in. All my resources. All my time. 
You know, I was, I was thinking about this uh, passage in Isaiah 6. And I don't normally see this or understand it from this perspective, but what I realized is that Isaiah was given a sneak peek of something that was going to happen later on. You guys ever th- think of Isaiah 6 like that? Like, do you realize that Isaiah saw this amazing vision of God and then when Isaiah died, and by the way, he was died by being sawed in half. When he died, he saw that vision all over again. So, so God was giving him like a sneak peek of something that was going to happen later on. Now, when you guys read this, I want everyone just to realize, just you got you to realize this. This is going to happen to you. You are actually going to see all this. You're going to take this all. It's going to happen. One day, this is all going to happen. You are going to see what Isaiah saw. You're going to see that throne. You're going to see that. You're going to see the. You're going to see the angel. You're going to stand before God. Have you thought about that recently? And do you know that every day of this life is preparation for that one day? Now, I know that a lot of you came in here today and you're, you're worried about a lot of stuff. You're thinking about stuff. Maybe it's stuff from the week. You came in with concerns. I just want you to think about it. On that day, when you see what Isaiah saw, is the stuff you're thinking and concerned about now going to matter? I mean, you're, you're going to stand before God. You're like, all that stuff I was so worried about doesn't mean anything, right? What will it matter? Except for that one day that you will actually see what Isaiah saw. And you will stand before God. And you will stand in judgment. Now, um, I was thinking about this. Like, as a a pastor, what's the thing that I can do? Because I love you guys. I want my job, right there at the top of my job description, is to prepare you for that day. Now, if I'm going to prepare you through that day, then I think in as often as I can, I actually want to walk you through that day and give you a preview because it's going to happen to you sooner or later. So I might as well give you that preview in as much as I can by the power of the Holy Spirit now. So remember when I was saying I was going to go through the passage, going to explain it, and then I want to ask you for a favor. This is the favor I wanted to ask you guys. Some of you guys, when I, when I walk through, I'm calling this uh, employing your divine imagination. Now, some of you, when I, when I walk through this, is very new, and you might be tempted to check out. You might be tempted to say, you know, this sort of thing is not really me. I'm not really much of an imaginary person. But my favorite to you, as your pastor, I'm just asking, will you, will you please just engage with me? Engage with me as I walk you through Isaiah 6 in a very personal way. And I'm, I'm pretty confident it's going to be a very meaningful experience uh, for you. And basically, I'm walking you through something that you're going to experience later. So why don't we experience it now and prepare for the big later that's going to happen? So what I want to do with everyone engaging with me, can you all stand up? Uh, I want you to know that... Um, that I was meeting with a prayer team beforehand, really just praying for this time and just saying, God, just break through. Do something supernatural. Um, make this more than just an exercise, but make this, make this real.
Okay? So I'm just taking by faith that the Holy Spirit is here and I'm, just gonna, I'm actually just going to pray for it. Lord God. I know uh, different people uh, have experienced you to diff- differing levels. But, but I'm asking that, that this morning it wouldn't be just enough to hear about you, but that we would experience you. And not just talk, but power. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. This, this is not weird. This is not new agey. We're not inviting other spirits. No, this is just the Holy Spirit. This is, this is Jesus' time, okay? So we're just opening ourselves up to Jesus. Now, what I'd like to do, this, this will probably take like maybe 10 minutes. I, I would like to walk you through Isaiah 6. Okay. I want you to imagine yourself, employ holy and divine imagination. I want you to imagine yourself right now standing in the very presence of the throne room of God. How big is that room? Now, you don't have to open your eyes, but you can if you want, if that helps you, if that employs your imagination. But you look and you see this massive chair. And there's a person who's sitting on this throne. And I just want you to look at the throne. Just look at the throne. This massive chair, heavy, weighty, maybe it's made out of solid gold. And the person on the throne is wearing a robe. When I close my eyes, I see, I see a purple robe. And purple is the color of royalty. And the robe spills over into the sanctuary. The train of it is just rolling down the aisles. It has the comfort of like a security blanket and the smell that brings you back to childhood. Now, would you look up? I mean, just would you look up? You don't have to open your eyes. You can open your eyes if you want, if that's helpful. And just imagine there is this angel, a seraphim in the middle of our sanctuary. Fiery, brilliant, dazzling, six wings. With two, they're rhythmically beating the air, hovering, suspending. With two, it's covering its eyes because it's looking at the person on the throne and it can barely take in what it's seeing. It's so brilliant, this person. It's so beautiful. The angel is saying, like, I've never seen such an incredibly beautiful, powerful, joyful, radiant person as what I'm looking at now. Holy, 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 awesome mystery. Now, I I want you to look at the person on the throne. You're here before the very presence of God, and you're looking at God Himself. Maybe your first impulse is terror, just sheer terror. But there's there's an accompanying impulse that you're awestruck. You've never seen so, such beauties. You've never been so 
mesmerized before. You've never seen anything like him. Painful to look at, but you're so attracted to what you see. It's like, I want to stay here forever, but my eyes can't take it. But I want to stay here forever. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. And as long as you would want to stay here in this moment, look down and look at yourself. And you suddenly realize who you are in light of what you see. Garbage comes out of my mouth. I live with the garbage people. I'm not worthy to be here. But then you hear God say, My own son died on the cross so you can be with me right now. You can be reconciled to me. You can know my love. I gave my son for you. Now at this moment, taking in God's provision of reconciliation and grace for you, what do you say? The only logical response for Isaiah was, here I am, send me, take my life. But how would you respond? Now, moment of reverence, I realize we're still praying, but I want to I give you a little instruction and, and talk with you a little bit more about this if I can. So if you guys can just sit back down again. <clears throat> what we just walked through, my uh, request, my invitation for you guys is two times this week. Will you go through the exact same divine imagination? Um, uh, uh, just walk through Isaiah 6. Two times this week in your quiet time. Now, I'm going to ask you guys to do something else. Like on Sundays when you come to worship God, I want you to walk through Isaiah 6. I, I just guarantee you that if you take in the fullness of God, you're going to be worshiping differently. It's going to be a diff- very different experience for you. If you're seeing God, your response is going to be very different. So my invitation to you, two times this week, would you walk through Isaiah 6 in your imagination? And would you also do this on Sundays before we worship? Now, I, I want to walk you through, just, just in case you forget. The first thing that you do is you imagine the throne, right? What's the next thing? The robe. The robe of God. What's the next thing? The seraphim. And then you look at what the seraphim is looking at. So it's, it's um, throne, robe, angel, the holy one. Now after you look at God, you look at yourself, myself. You're like, I don't, I, don't, I don't belong here. And then there's the cross, God's provision for you to be reconciled with him. And then the last thing you do is respond. Okay, let's that, review. Okay, Isaiah 6. These are the movements of getting a bigger view of God. Number one, it's the throne. Number two, it's the robe. Number three, it's the angel. Number four, it's the holy one. Number five, you look at yourself. And number six, you respond. Now, we've done this and I realized that we didn't really have a time to respond. And what I want you guys to do is to do it again. Like, just imagine, like, maybe this church is empty and it's just you. I mean, if you can imagine that. 
And what I'd like you to do is just walk through those steps. Now, now when we have communion, normally people will uh, go to the back, will filter through the side, and they'll come down here, and then they'll, they'll kind of go back to their, their, their pews. What i like you guys to do is i like to walk you through these steps. I want you guys to pretend that this sanctuary is the throne room of God. And I want you to pretend that this stage right here is the chair, is the throne. And I want you to imagine, like, that's, that's Jesus. I want you to imagine that Jesus' robe is so long that it spills from there and it goes and it basically rolls into the aisle. And I want you to look at the, uh, the, 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 uh, the seraphim. I don't know if that's what they look like, but if you look at the one right below Jesus, and that, that's our seraphim, okay? If you look at that one, I would just want you to imagine it's got eyes, got six wings. It's looking at Christ. It's looking at the, and it barely, it's like, holy, holy. I want you to imagine that. And he's your worship leader, so you're going to follow him. And then you look at God. Then you look at yourself, and by the, you're doing all that, and by the time you look at yourself, you're like, you know, I'm not worthy to be here. But that's where there's the provision of Christ, so you can be here. You didn't, there was no way, but God made a way through his son, through the death of his son, and that's why his body was broken. And that's why his blood was spilt, so that you could come to the party of God, so that you can be embraced by the Father. God's like, look, I made a provision for you through the death of my own son. And so when you come here, you will take the bread and you'll dip it into the juice. And basically you're saying, you gave me away, I receive it. I receive your sacrifice so I can be with you. And then what I want you to do is kneel down here before the throne room of God. You've just been cleansed. You've just been forgiven. What will you say? Maybe some of you actually want to say, here I am. Send me. I will say this. In, 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 the, uh, in Isaiah 6, after Isaiah says, Here I am, send me, God basically gives him his mission. This is what you're going to do with your life. And I, just, I just wonder, maybe the moment we say, Here I am, send me, God's going to speak to some of you. And that's really exciting to me. And who knows what he's going to say. We stand before a holy God and this is a holy moment. I'm going to pray and then I want you guys to walk through those steps. You can remember those steps up there. And God's going to meet with a lot of you. And this is going to be an awesome time. So when you're ready, and let me just pray and kick us off. One day, one day, we're going to stand before the throne of God. It will happen. Lord, I, I love my people. I love this church. I want to prepare them. So I'm praying that as we walk through what will eventually happen, you would be preparing us for that day. And if you have words to say to us, that you would say those words by the power of your Spirit for the glory of Christ. Amen. Let's walk through these steps in our mind. And as you guys fill the center aisle and walk down every step, 
Every step, you're thinking about the throne. You take another step, I'm thinking about the robe. Another step, I'm thinking about the angel. Another step, this is a long one, I'm going to linger on this one, I'm thinking about the Holy One Himself. Come as you feel called to come.